Well, we just come off a week of prayer and fasting, and uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I was so... I was so encouraged last week by just seeing people come at the front with these prayer cards that we had and people just kneeling at the front and, and just praying and just some of the encouraging reports I heard this week of those who partook in our week of prayer and fasting. For me, it, it was an incredible week where I just sensed God in, in incredible ways and just God spoke in, in, in mighty ways to me and I, I was so uh, encouraged. So I want to say thank you to everybody who, who partook in that. But we're continuing this morning in our summer stretch series and we We've got part number four. We're going to end it next week with part number five. Um, but if you've got your Bibles, then uh, you can get ready because we're going to be, we're still looking in the second book of Thessalonians. So you can turn to second book of Thessalonians and we're going to be looking at chapter three today. But 12 years ago, last month, or sorry, no, this month, I, I can't believe I got this wrong. But 12 months ago, 12 years ago, this month, I got married. And uh, I got married to this beautiful young Latin firewire. I mean, she was like this, this amazing woman that I married. And I remember the day I got married, lo- looking at her. She was like 45 minutes late to our wedding. Uh, but uh, I, f- I forgave her. I'm not sure if I'd forgive her anymore, like now if she was 45 minutes late. But then I, I-, I forgave her. And I-, I-, I remember looking at her at the day we were getting married and thinking, this is really God's gift to me. How, what did I do to deserve this woman? You see, this woman, she was somebody who was so focused in all that she, she did. She was uh, the, the, this beautiful, godly lady who I had watched become this independent woman who knew exactly what she wanted. She was, in, she was very uh, uh, decisive about what she wanted. She knew what it, she wanted, and she knew where she was going. When, when we got married, she was, uh, she was a worship pastor at a church, and she was leading a team on a weekly basis, uh, basis of 40 different musicians and, and, and singers. And, uh, and, and, and every week when they led worship, it was just this amazing time. Uh, in the church that we were out. It was out at a church in Missouri. And I watched her and, and, and I, I saw her leadership ability and her potential. And, and, and it was all this stuff that just drew me to her. And so when we got married, I thought I was marrying this just independent woman who just knew exactly what she wanted. About two months into our marriage, I started thinking, what happens to the independent woman who could do everything by herself? See, I'd be sitting there on the couch, and next thing I know, she'd be like, Honey, can you come help? Can you come help fold laundry? I'd be like, Oh, okay. And then she'd be like, Honey, honey, uh, can you come and help me make the dinner? I'm like, Okay. My mom never asked, but okay. She'd be like, Honey, honey, can you come help me put the dishes away? Or, honey, I'm doing a project. Can you come and help me? And she goes, oh, honey, I need to go to Walmart. Can you, can you come? And, I, and I, one day I looked to her and I said, I says, can't you do this stuff yourself? I'm like, why do you need me to do it? I was like, weren't you someone who did everything by yourself all the time? She goes, yeah, but now I have you. Why do I need to do it by myself? Right? And so it went through, and, and even today, the simplest little task, if I wasn't around, she could do it. She still wants me to come and do it with her. And so even today, I'm, I like sometimes shake my head thinking, why do you even need my help? I would just do it, you know, just get it up and do it. But this is what she discovered or what she realized. 
Marriage isn't about doing life yourself. Marriage is about two people coming together. That there was once two, now there's one. And she embraces that with me and makes sure I help her in all these different things. And so often people go through marriage and they just want to keep on doing the life that they always did. But what's the point when you've got somebody right alongside you who can help you do these things? Why would you do something yourself? When you've got somebody who can help you. And sometimes in life, we're like that. We want to do everything ourselves. It's my son's favorite phrase right now. Evan by self. Evan by self. That's what my two-year-old son tells me. When he's going, going to the bathroom or he wants to eat. And he's like, no, Evan, Evan, only Evan. And he wants to do it all by himself. But the reality is, is why do we want to do stuff by ourselves when often all around there's people who can help us? Why do we want to keep, keep going and keep, and keep using up all of our own energy when there's people around us who can help us? In fact, did you know that God is right beside you? As you're walking on this journey of faith, God is right beside you. And God is your helper. He is there to help you, to, 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 to pick up the slack. He's there to take the weight from you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6 says this, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So Hebrews is telling us that the Lord, he is our helper. So as we are going through in life, there is God right beside us who is there. And one of the promises that he gives us is he is there to help us. And so often we are looking for others to help us. So often we're looking around thinking, I just can't do this by myself. But did you know that the almighty God is right beside you to help you? The all-powerful, all-knowing God is your helper. There is nothing that is impossible in your life. Why? Because he is beside you. There is nothing too difficult for you to do in your life because the almighty God is right beside you. And that is why I believe as people of Jesus, as Christians, of people who believe in God and follow the Jesus way, that is why I believe that it is so important to make prayer a natural part of our lives. Why prayer should not be left for something that we do before meals. Why prayer should not be left for five minutes before we put our head on the pillow. Why prayer should not be left for something that we just do in church on a Sunday morning, or it's just something that we do when life takes a downward turn. But prayer should be a natural part of our lives, even so much that prayer should be something that is 24-7 in our lives. In the first book of Thessalonians, we've been going through the second book of Thessalonians during this series, but the book before it, which was called 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, we are told this, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Hear that again. Always be joyful, right? So always be joyful. Never stop praying. So that means cons- consistently in an attitude of prayer, 
Be thankful in all circumstances. I know that one's a little bit more difficult. But be thankful in all circumstances. And then this is what they say. And hear what they say. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It is God's will that you be joyful and you be thankful. It is not God's will that you be sad and that you be unappreciative. But God's will for your life is that you would be joyful and that you would be thankful. And I believe this is achieved when we are constantly aware of God and that God is with us and God is communicating with us and we need to communicate back with God. I believe that God does not want you unhappy. And some of you, you you may have come in this place today and you're not sure about God and you're not sure about just the life that that God has for you. And you think, well, I'm going through this circumstance or this, this different situation and God just wants me unhappy. That's not true. God does not want you unhappy. But he longs to fill your lives with joy. And I believe that joy is found in the place of community and partnership. Have you ever seen a lonely person who's happy? A lonely person who's full of joy? I don't think I've ever seen a lonely person who, who just like skips along the day and thinks, oh, this is just an amazing life at all because joy is found in community and partnership. When you are in community and partnership with your spouse, it becomes a joyful marriage. When you're in community and partnership with your kids, it becomes a joyful family. Where, where the church is in community with each other, it becomes a joyful church. And as a believer of Jesus, if you are in community with Jesus, then there is this thing called joy that comes and wells up within you. And so as believers of Jesus, I believe that we should be people of prayer. Now, In week two of this series, we talked about God's call and we believe that God has called each of us to a life to serve him. And that that call in our lives that, that Thessalonians tells us, it is prompted by the faith that is within us. That there is this faith when we believed in Jesus, we have this faith within us and this faith prompts us in the call that God has for our lives. And this call ebbs and flows. And I believe it is the Holy Spirit, when it starts to deal with our hearts, it urges us to communicate with God. It urges us to talk with the Lord while we walk with the Lord. So the faith within us can prompt us in where to go. See, I used to, when I was a young Christian, I used to think if I just... Set aside a certain amount of time each day where I prayed and read my Bible and then just got on with my day, I would be fine. And what I found was it wasn't very effective because I would spend 30 minutes or 45 minutes or maybe even some days an hour concentrating on God, but then I'd walk out into the big wide world and I'd forget all that, 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 that I heard or learned or sensed when I was in prayer to God. But this is what I've discovered as I've gone along in my journey of faith and I've matured in my faith. I've discovered that I need to constantly be talking with the Lord while I'm walking with the Lord. So I've discovered that there are times in my car when I'm driving and suddenly I just sense God. And I sense the need to pray. And many of you, you probably have the same thing. 
You're driving in your car and you sense God speaking. There's times when I've woken up in the middle of the night, and trust me, I do not like waking up in the middle of the night. But there's times I've woken up in the middle of the night, and there's been this urgency. I don't know why, but I just need to communicate with God and pray with God. And many of you, you've experienced the same thing. You've woken up in the middle of the night. There's been other times where I've just been at my desk at work, and I'm working away through the day, and suddenly I realize I just need to stop for a moment. And communicate with my Lord. Because there's something within us that starts to prompt you. And I've realized that, 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 that praying throughout the day and praying throughout the night and having this constant attitude of that God is right beside me. My helper is right there. And as I'm going through life, I need to be communicating with God. That is the way that we as believers should live our lives. And I've discovered as you read through the New Testament and you, you read through the epistles and the epistles are the books uh, or the letters, I should say, that were written to individuals and churches in the New Testament. And as, as you read through these books of the Bible, you start to discover that they are full of prayer requests where people are asking for certain, certain things from God and they're asking other people to pray. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote many of these books in the New Testament, we find he is never too shy to ask for prayer. In fact, as you read through the letters that he wrote, you often find he is regularly asking other people to pray for him. He's never too afraid or too shy to ask others to pray for him. And this should be a model for us. I believe God has brought you into community with other believers so that they can pray with you. I tell you, never be too private or too afraid to ask others to pray for you. For we need each other. We need to lift each other up in prayer. For there's times when it's hard to pray. The mature in faith realize that often they have very little to offer. But they realize they become difference makers for they know that their breakthrough and their victory in life is found through the act of praying to Jesus, their Savior, God, their Father, and what the Bible, Bible calls the Holy Spirit, our helper. And, I've, and I've, as I have got stronger in my faith and gone further in my faith, the more I realize I need to depend on God, my helper, even more. And so Paul, Silas, and Timothy were the men who wrote Second Thessalonians. And, and they urge us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 to pray. In fact, they give us three prayers to pray. Now, we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 today. And just before that, in chapter 2, we dealt with it last week. But we were told to stand firm in the faith. For, for there are many people out there and, and many things that will try to, to, to fool you and deceive you. And so you need to stand firm in the faith and in the truth of what God's word says. And then we get into chapter 3 and we, we, we are then presented with three prayer requests. That I believe every one of us, if we just embrace in our, our daily walk with the Lord we will start to see God in new ways. See, so often when we pray, we pray about our temporary situations. We pray about the circumstances that we just immediately see. We pray about the short-term stuff. 
You know, we, we pray about, 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 about the health issues, and we pray about the financial issues, and we pray about the marriage issues, or the family issues, and the relationship issues. We pray about the job issues, or maybe the emotional issues. And, and that is good, because we are to pray in all things about everything the Bible tells us. But so often we forget to pray about the eternal issues. And your life is not a life that will just end when there is no more breath in your body. But your life is an eternal life. And so often we are so short-sighted, and I'm the same, I'm so short-sighted. All I see is what is in front of me, and I pray about that. But I think, I, I, I fail often to think, what is in the future? What, what affects eternity? What, what, what about the other side of this life? What, 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 what do I need to pray for so that it makes a difference for eternity? And I believe what Paul, Silas, and Timothy tell us in Second Thessalonians They are talking about eternal things. So the first prayer is this. We are to pray for his message. Pray for his message. This is what 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1 said. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Have you ever thought about praying for the message of Jesus? About the gospel of Jesus? You know what? I I was thinking about it myself. I was reading this. I was thinking, I rarely pray for the gospel of Jesus. I pray for one or two people that I know who don't know Jesus. Those who who, who are just lost in this world and and they are consumed maybe by sin and and, and they are far away from Jesus. They don't believe in God. and, And I pray for those, but I've never really thought about praying as a whole for the message of Jesus. But Paul, Silas, and Timothy here, they are telling us that we need to start praying bigger and bolder. This is what they say. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes. They're not just thinking about the one or the two here who who, who you may know or the, the one family member who you know who is away from the Lord. They are thinking about the masses. They are thinking about the multitudes. And they're saying to the Thessalonians, when you pray, pray for the message of Jesus Christ so that it starts to spread and when it spreads, it spreads like wildfire. That, 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 that it's not just one or two that catch it, but that communities are changed because of the message of Jesus Christ. Now, has any of you ever seen a wildfire? Most of us in Maryland probably haven't. If you're from California, you may. If you you know, maybe from, I don't know, the Rockies or something, you may. If you're from Texas, you may. And I found this the other day, I found this video from the Texas Department of Parks and Rec. And I was amazed at this video because I've never really seen a wildfire up close. I've seen, a wild, I've seen the destruction of a wildfire, but I've never seen a wildfire. So very quickly, take a look at this.
Did you see how quick that was? I mean, immediately, just in a minute, that whole section of the forest was on fire. I mean, some of you are thinking, I, I go camping, I can't even make a campfire. But, but once the fire starts to, to blaze and the wind starts to blow, everything in, in the vicinity starts to catch on fire. Now imagine for, the moment, for a moment that that was the gospel of Jesus Christ. May, may imagine that little fire, that little flame was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the wind starts to blow. And as it starts to blow, suddenly the fire starts to go from one to another, to another, to another. Imagine that in the lives of the people here at Hartford County. That, that the message of Jesus, it, there's just a little fire and immediately the winds of God's spirit starts to blow. And it goes from one to another, to another, to another. And, and before you know it, the whole community has changed. The atmosphere is changed because... The gospel of Jesus is spread quickly and rapidly. And I believe this is what Paul, Silas, and Timothy are saying. When you pray, pray that the gospel of Jesus will spread quick, quickly. It should be natural for us to not only want to see our friends and our families saved, but for God's spirit to spread like wildfire throughout the communities and the neighborhoods that we live in. That when you go to the grocery store, it's like wildfire and it's spreading. When you go to the workplace, it's like wildfire and it's spreading. When you go to the, the, the different friends' houses or different families' functions or houses, it's spreading. When, when, when you go to the barber or the hairdresser, it's spreading. When you go get your nails done, ladies, it is spreading. When, when, when you go to, to the athletic club or you go down to the soccer field or, 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 or you're on the sidelines of the baseball field as you're watching your kids play baseball, that the message of Jesus is spreading. And that is what Paul, Silas, and Timothy are saying. When you pray, pray that the gospel will spread. Pray that the gospel will spread. The second prayer we see here is a prayer for our lives, a prayer for our lives. In 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1, it starts off by saying, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. And then verse 2 says, pray too that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people for not everyone is a believer. The second prayer that the Thessalonians are urged to pray is to pray for their leaders. To pray for Paul, Silas and Timothy. Now think about the social climate they lived in for a moment. That there wasn't freedom of speech in those days. Most of the people, they, they didn't like uh, the, the, to, to hear about the gospel of Jesus because it, it would mean a total change to their lives. Many people served pagan gods uh, and they were into all sorts. And so when Paul and Silas and Timothy came into different areas and different cities and started preaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ, often their lives were in danger. And if someone didn't like you in those days, they didn't just troll you on, on social media. They killed you. They would just come and kill you. If the authorities didn't like what you said, they would arrest you. And there was no court of appeals. There was no Supreme Court. There was no district court that you could go to. There was no lawyers you could hide. They would put you in a dungeon and lock you away and forget about you. Their lives were in constant danger. And so Paul, Silas, and Timothy are basically saying, when you pray, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray that God will protect us. They knew that God was with them, 
But they also believe that a church should pray for its leaders and those who are on the front lines of ministry. And I tell you today, as your pastor, I ask you to pray for us. Pray for my family. Pray for me. And pray for the leaders of Generation Church. We don't talk about it much, but the reality is, is there is an enemy of your soul, there is an enemy of our soul, and we feel the attack of the enemy constantly. And the enemy of your soul knows that if he can beat up the leaders, he can beat up the church. So we need your prayers. And we ask you to pray for us. Pray that we might receive wisdom. Pray that we might receive renewed vision. Pray that we might gain patience. Pray that we may gain peace and strength. Pray that, that, that we may receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray that we will know which way to go and how to lead. Because the enemy knows if he can beat up the leaders, he can beat up the church. I love Western movies. Those old Western movies, the John Wayne movies, love them. I know most of you are thinking they are lame, but I love them. But this is what I noticed, and what is a common thing throughout most of the, the Western movies, is there is a stagecoach that is probably carrying important people or expensive goods. And they are going through a valley in the western part of the United States, whether through the Rockies or through Arizona or wherever. And they're going through the, the, the mountain. They get to a point where there's a valley, and they go through the valley, and then suddenly out of the valley, there are bandits, and they come and ambush the stagecoach. And this is what they always do. They always try to take out the driver first. Because they know if they can take out the driver, then the stagecoach is theirs. And the enemy of our soul will want to take out the drivers of this church. The people who are leading us and guiding us. Because he knows if he can beat up the leaders, he can beat up the church. And we're striving to lead you in and through a life of Jesus Christ. And it's not easy when the enemy of your soul is constantly trying to ambush this journey of faith. So I tell you today, we need prayer. We're not too proud to admit that we need prayer. Pray that the gospel of Jesus will be spread quickly. Pray for his message. Pray for us. Pray for your leaders. The last prayer very quickly today before we close. Pray for your hearts. Pray for your hearts. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5. Sorry, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3. It says this. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are what you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts in full understanding an expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. God is a faithful God. Paul, Silas, and Timothy tell us here that God is faithful. They say the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And even though I'm talking about that there is an enemy of our soul who wants to bring us down, let me tell you, there is a Lord who is a helper, who is right beside you, who will guard you and protect you and strengthen you from anything that an enemy can throw at you. There is a world full of deception that is very real, but don't be afraid for the Lord is there to guide you. 
See, when you pray, prayer is all about talking with the Lord while you're walking with the Lord. And it is the Lord who will lead you. It is the Lord who will protect you. And that is why you should always pray for yourselves. But that prayer needs to be very specific. Not just, God, give me a better job. God, get, get, get me more money. God, let my kids be good today. God, you know, let my spouse not shout at me today. You know, God, when I get home, let the house be tidy. Or God, let my husband offer to do the dishes today. Not those kind of prayers, but very specific kind of prayers. And this is what Paul, Timothy, and Silas are saying. They're saying, when you pray, pray for your hearts so that your hearts will gain understanding. Notice here, Paul doesn't say, pray for provision. Because he knows that those who gain understanding knows that God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. That's what they called him, the God Jehovah Jireh. Notice Paul didn't say, pray for healing in your bodies. Because Paul knows that when you gain understanding of who Christ is, that God is what they call Jehovah Rafika, the God who heals. Notice they didn't say, pray for our marriages. Because Paul knows that when you gain understanding of Christ and you develop in your relationship with Christ, your marriage will get better. Notice he didn't say pray for your kids. Pray for wisdom in leading my kids. Because he knows that when you gain the understanding of Christ and Christ develops himself more in your heart, you will gain the wisdom and the understanding how to lead your kids and he will lead you in the right direction. The most important prayer you can ever pray is for your heart to understand the love, the grace, the truth, and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you walk with him, talk with him. Talk with him about gaining understanding of him. Ask him to help you love more. Ask him to help you understand him more. Ask him to fill your hearts with patience and endurance. Pray for your hearts. See, I think at times we can make prayer so intense and out of reach at times. We think about prayer way too much. We make it difficult. But really prayer is just talking and communicating with the Lord. And God is communicating with you and he's trying to speak to you and he's trying to to, to lead you in the right direction. And all he wants you to do is just turn around and start talking back to him. But how will God ever help you if you never talk to him? And like Paul, Silas and Timothy urge us, if we just pray that the message of Jesus will be spread like wildfire, If we pray for our leaders, that they will become better leaders, because when the leaders get better, everybody gets better. And if we just pray for understanding that God will increase himself within us, then what happens next becomes a whole lot easier. We discern what's next in life. We hear God. We sense God. We experience God. He gives us strength. He gives us understanding. And this journey of life becomes a lot easier. And when we get ambushed out of the hills and the bandits try to take us out, we know that there is God, our helper, who's our gunman. And he's taking those, um, those bandits out. 
because we understand the love and the grace and the power and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we're just going to close this service. Just before we do that, I just want to quickly pray with you. I want to pray that your hearts will gain understanding of Jesus Christ. And in return, I ask that you pray for us as leaders. That God will protect us from harm and give us wisdom and direction and know what to do in certain circumstances. And he will be very close to us. And then as a church, I want us to pray that the gospel of Jesus will spread. The life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ will spread throughout this county and throughout this state and throughout this land like we've never seen before. The wildfires of the Holy Spirit will just ignite and change the landscape forever.